Hey, and welcome to Watershed, a podcast about life in a group of neighborhoods on the east side of Cleveland. I'm Justin Glanville. This month, we're going to be telling two stories from a public housing estate called Woodhill Homes. Both stories are about how people find meaning in their neighborhoods and communities. They're about what makes some people stay and some people leave. And what makes a neighborhood a neighborhood anyway, not just a place. Woodhill Homes is a place within a place. It's a public housing estate in the neighborhood of Woodland Hills. About 700 people live there, and they're both separate from and a part of Woodland Hills and the city at large. In this episode, we'll be visiting the Woodhill Homes Community Center to talk to its manager and assistant manager about the programs they run here. They'll tell us about making this as good a place as possible for residents, but also how they reach outside the boundaries of the estate itself to bring in outsiders and plug in residents to the world at large. Then, in the next episode, we'll talk to a resident who swore she'd only be here for five years, but she decided to stay to be an advocate and a voice for her neighbors. Woodhill Homes kind of looks like the campus of a small hospital or college. It's got two and three-story brick buildings, grassy plazas, big trees, and right in the middle, the Woodhill Homes Community Center. It's a glassy building with a fitness zone out front and signs in the windows advertising a theater performance coming up. I used to come up here as a kid in the early 70s. I, I Robert White is the community center manager. He's a friendly guy in his 50s, the ready smile and a slight limp. Not from anything in particular, he tells me, just getting older. He's never been a resident of public housing himself, but he's lived not too far from this neighborhood pretty much his whole life. His whole extended family is here. Parents, siblings, cousins. I had two cousins, that, two country bumpkins, that country boys that got out of the military. And they decided to come to Cleveland. So Larry and Nan come up here and they get an apartment. They got an apartment. They were working at the steel mill. They were making great money and, and life was lovely. Had the apartment, two bachelors. They had bought stereo systems and clothes and everything. And one night they go to a party, come home, and one of the cousins says to the other, man, what happened? Did we have too much to drink? Because this apartment is empty. <laughs> so they walk around and around, and they say, no, this was our apartment. Someone, they took everything. And I tell that story because they cried all the way back to Tennessee. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> On Greyhound. Okay. They had, one has returned, the other one has not. But it was still a place where people could come and get a start. Mm-hmm. But it's, it served its purpose, mm-hmm. and it served its purpose well. So it's still a place where people can get a start it's or still a start a place over. where you can start and get start over. Yeah. This is what we do. I mean, and that's the beauty of public housing. And actually, even though Mr. White doesn't live here himself, he's starting over too, reinventing himself, along with a community center he runs, after a pretty big mistake he made when he was a City of Cleveland councilman. But before we get to that, let's back up a little bit 
and talk about some history, just a little bit, I promise. Public housing is therefore in the best American tradition. Every dedication in the United States of a public low-rent housing project is a rededication of our democracy to the principle that all men are created equal. Public housing actually started out as really good living. The first estates were built back in the 1930s and 40s, and they were supposed to help out with overcrowding in booming manufacturing cities like Cleveland. I found an old photo from Woodhill Homes shortly after it was built, and it pretty much looks straight out of Leave it to Beaver. This white mom in lipstick and a house dress standing in front of a stove cooking dinner for her kids. You can see that one and more on our website, OurSidewalk.com. But then came suburbs and white flight, and public housing got a lot less desirable. The people who remained became isolated, and that meant crime and poverty got more common. Things have gotten a lot better since the 70s and 80s. There have been programs to tear down and rebuild bad buildings, and more efforts to start community programs. But still, for a lot of people, the stigma remains. There's this idea that public housing is a place you only live if you have to, and where you can get stuck. For Mr. White, a big part of his job has become how to make the boundaries of this place more porous so that people can take advantage of what's good about public housing, like the ability to start out or start over without becoming isolated. His job is basically to invite people from the outside in and give residents who need it a nudge to explore the rest of the city. Our job is to open up our community centers is to make it a quote unquote, a community center. And over the course of time, those things happen because this is a neighborhood. And once you open up yourself in these neighborhoods, there's a lot going on. Before I leave for the day, Mr. White takes me on a tour through the building. We have a couple more rooms. This is the other side of the room that we were just in. We pass through spacious corridors with lots of sunlight, visit a few classrooms. But right now, the most active place is the computer lab. This is our computer room. Just, you guys come okay. on in. Computer room right here. Hey, Miss Wood, how you doing? Good, good, good. <laughs> That's where we meet a woman named Angela Wood. She's a resident here, and she's filling out her W-2 for a new job she's starting today as a janitor for a company downtown. Pretty soon, she hopes to move out and find her own apartment. Now, did you find your job here? Yes, I did. You were searching online? And Every day. So I will bug Mr. White. <laughs> what did she say to you, Mr. White? Is the door open, Mr. White? <laughs> That's the kind of motivation Mr. White hopes the community center can inspire more often. And, they, and the people need to know that they can get out of here. You've got to be work for it now. But you can get out of here. Okay? And it starts with wanting for yourself. Starts with one for your children. That young lady down there, since I've been coming here, has hardly ever been out of work. Whether it was McDonald's or Burger King or, or at the stadium, she works, she works, she works. 
No, Miss Woods, are you working now? Nah, Mr. White, I'm, I'm going to find a job. And the next thing you know, she's worried. Don't see her because she's what? Working. That's what I want to see. I want to see more of Angela, Angela Woods. I need to see more for one for your ch children. See, I can't want more for you than you want for yourself. I can put you on my back and carry you. But at some point, you got to say to me, you know what, I think I can make a step or two. Then I'll put you down and put you right back on my Make a step, too. But I, I can't do it by myself. Can't want more for you than you want for yourself. He knows all of that isn't easy. A lot of the people at Woodhill Homes, they have big problems or started out at a big disadvantage as kids. But he does feel like he can at least partly identify with that struggle because he himself had to fight back from a pretty low place. See, about nine years ago, he got into some pretty bad trouble himself. It was 2008, and Mr. White had been a Cleveland City Councilman for 12 years. Yeah, 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 I had to retire from politics, but not on my own. I, I was in the corrupt, corruption, and I had to resign from my seat. Then after two years in federal prison. Yeah. What kind of corruption? Uh, took a bribe. So. My world has changed and come full circle. The bribe was for $500 from an unidentified businessman who wanted Mr. White's help to get electricity restored to his business. Mr. White pled guilty in federal court, and he ended up serving a two-year prison sentence. Why did you take the bribe? Why does anyone take a bribe, Justin? You don't think. You don't think. How does that affect the way you lead this place or do your job now? I care more, I care. I've always cared, but you care more. You have a higher tolerance rate. You care more because of how so? What you, what? Went, what you went through. I had to work to get, get back here. But also as a, as a public official, I didn't step on toes and that's what helped me get here. There's a reason why I feel for people. There's a reason why I've come full circle. See, that's a story to always tell. It's been eight years now. But I, I, I love the opportunity that was given to me. The opportunity, he says, to help others start out or start over <laughs> in the same way he has. For Watershed, I'm Justin Glanville. Watershed is produced by Sidewalk, telling the story of people and place. This episode was written by me, Justin Glanville, with sound design and recording by Angie Hayes. Our editor is William Boswick, and our story consultant is Don Arrington. Music is by DJ Doc Harrell and the kids at Refresh Collective, refreshing Cleveland through creative arts, community engagement, and youth development. Check out photos and written versions of our stories online at OurSidewalk.com. That's O-U-R-Sidewalk.com. And get in touch there, too. Oh, and if you could rate us a review on iTunes, we'd so appreciate it. It helps spread the word about the show. Until next time.